0: I protect and defend because my name is America. I stand proud Welcome,
1: I'm everyone. Free. I hope you had an absolutely my wonderful week. So many things have been happening. It's very difficult to keep up, but one thing is certain. We can definitely be sure that the left will never stop. They will never stop on their path to destruction because that is their goal. Remember what transformation means. In order to transform something, you must destroy it first so that you can build back new, build back better. Remember that phrase, folks, build back better. And one would say, what, what's wrong with what we have now? Everybody is was prospering. Everybody was doing well. The country was on a crash course to be and stay number one for a very long time. What happened? Well, the globalists happened. And unfortunately, the globalists who are immersed in communism have absolutely no desire to do anything other than destroy America because they cannot have an America where others from other countries might say, how come in America they can own a house? How come in America they could have a car? How come in America they could have air conditioning? How come in America they could have running water and electricity and we don't, they can't have that. They have to cut America down to size so that America will fit in the rest of the world as subservient to the globalists and the United Nations. Well, we have a mess on our border, we have a mess all over the country. And right now you're listening to Karen Schoen at the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network, with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. And we've been talking about a mess. And so I have asked my favorite mess uh, remover, (laughs) 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 because he's got solutions and that's what we need. And one of the major things that we're having, of course, is at the border. But there are so many things that are connected to that. Remember what I say, folks everything is connected. Nothing happens at random. Everything has a plan and all plans are based on lies. And those four sentences sum up what's going on in our country. What do you think about that, Michael Cutler, our wonderful guest for today? Thank you for joining me.
0: Thank you for having me, Karen. Boy, I'm the mess cleaner-upper. Huh? You that are the like a mess cleaner. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, you have a lot of solutions, and that's one of the reasons why I love talking to you and I love having you on the show, well, because that's what we need. We need solutions. We can't sit by and let people say, we're going to destroy your culture, and then go rah, 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 we'll help you destroy it. And well, that's what know, we're doing it, by doing nothing.
0: And, and, you know, it's like the movie The Few Good Men where the Jack Nicholson character, that colonel, said, you can't handle the truth. Well, we can handle it. They just don't want us to have the truth. It's all about propaganda. And years ago, I started to talk about George Orwell, that it began it's at least from the immigration angle. And, and just so your audience knows, I was with the INS for 30 years. Um, I was an inspector. I was an adjudicator. And I spent 26 years as a special agent. And I rotated through all this I was the first INS agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of the Drug Enforcement Administration, and I spent the final 10 years of my career as an immigration, as a senior immigration agent assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. And drugs and the border and crime and terrorism are all interconnected. In fact, I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission and well over 15 hearings in the House and Senate about the nexus between immigration and various aspects of criminal justice and national security. And so it started with Carter saying, we're no longer gonna allow immigration employees to use the term illegal alien to describe illegal aliens. Stop and think about that. The term alien is not a pejorative. It's not the equivalent of the N-word. Legally, it simply means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. Period, full stop. That's the definition. Where's the insult in saying someone's not an American citizen?
1: Well, I guess we're not allowed to bring that out anymore. And look at what they have done to our language when words that we look at one way, they are changing the definitions and making them into another Straight way.
0: Straight out of George Orwell.
1: Exactly.
0: But, but, you know, we were just talking before the program. There was a word that started to be used, and I really believe that there are a lot of very bright people. Never underestimate your enemies unless you want to lose. There's been a lot of very bright people, articulate people, wordsmiths, who have been gradually modifying the language to modify the way that we perceive the world. Now, I remember not long ago when a new product came out or a new company appeared on the scene. They would refer to those products or those companies as game changers, earth-shaking, history-making, right? Revolutionary. No, the word that started to get used a couple of years ago that gave me great cause for pause was disruptive. Now, I remember as a kid, and you were a teacher, any kid that's disruptive, when the parents got the phone call, they didn't go out and buy the kid pizza and take him to a movie. Being disruptive was a very negative thing. Why is it suddenly wonderful to hear about products that are disrupting the industry, disrupting the world, disrupting the marketplace? Because I believe that they are sowing the seeds for this notion that disruptions are great. So look at the disrupted um, supply chain. How great is that? Everything is being disrupted, but they prime the pump to convince people that disruption is something we should be welcoming. This is lunacy. Just like when they started teaching kids that there's no winner or loser in a ball game and everyone thought it was funny. Oh, we're being too mushy. We're being too touchy-feely. No, there was a reason for it. There was a reason for it. We learned through playing competition that there are winners and there are losers. When there's a ball game, one team wins, one team loses. When there's a World Series, one team is declared the champion and one team is not. Suddenly, we were being, our kids are being taught, no, 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 that's not nice, nobody ever loses. Well, where do you see that kind of a mindset in an economic system? And the answer is communism. There's no winners, there's no losers, because the government controls the marketplace. Think about that analogy. Then kids were taught Do not stand up for yourself. When I was a kid, I used to get beat up all the time. I was what we used to call an egghead. Today, they would use the term nerd. I didn't care about sports. The idea of some guy swinging a bat at a ball and declaring him a hero seemed silly. My heroes were the astronauts and the test pilots. I got letters from Alan Shepard and Gus Grissom. I wouldn't trade those letters for any sports memorabilia in the world, right? When I had cancer many years ago, I had prostate cancer. Keep up with your PSA, guys. If, if, if you're of that age, that's what saved my life. My wife got me a model of the X1 autographed by Chuck Yeager, another one of my heroes. But kids, just like adults, can be really stupid because I didn't think Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris were a big deal. All kinds of derisive language got used, and I got slugged. And my dad said, you're going to go to a gym. You're going to work out. You're going to learn how to defend yourself. He said, you're not going to start any fights, but you will not allow anyone to beat you up, you know? You don't throw the first right. punch, you throw the last punch. And so we learned how to stand on our own two feet. The worst thing you could have been declared back then as a mama's boy, you have to run for help? No, if you're a real man, you're supposed to stand on your own two feet and deal with whatever it is that you have to deal with. You know, John Wayne, uh, that that character that he played was the ideal for the average American man. The guy that stands on his own two feet And as to use the expression back then, two-fisted, meaning he will defend himself, he will defend what he believes in. Suddenly, we were told, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. We will defend you. And I always worried, what happens when those who promise to defend us are the ones who attack us? This is like going to Tony Soprano for protection, isn't it? The true bullies are now the people on the extreme radical left. What they've done is to change the culture of America, I mean, whether it's sex education, where it's this nonsense about talking about toxic masculinity. It was toxic masculinity that enabled America and the allies to win the Second World War and defeat the fascists. All these kids running around yelling their antifa, the anti-fascists. Folks, the true anti-fascists were the members of the armed forces on the side of the allies who took on and defeated the Nazis, the true fascists. This is, again, everything being turned on its ear, and we're seeing it no more clearly than with our immigration policies, which, by the way, even with Fox News constantly hammering away at the crisis on the southern border, it's not a crisis on the southern border alone. It's a crisis throughout the entire immigration system, and by the way, it's been a long time coming. I've spoken about it before, and I just want you to know that when George W. Bush, a supposed Republican, created the Department of Homeland Security, he violated the Homeland Security Act by cutting immigration in half between Customs and Border Protection and ICE and folding in other agencies because he did not want a secure border. He was a globalist, will always be a globalist. His father, George Herbert Walker Bush, talked about the New World Order. Think about that. We now know that aliens are being allowed on airlines with no ID other than their immigration arrest warrants, which are completely unreliable forms of ID. Something very similar, by the way, happened under Bush. The only president who stood up to all of this lunacy was Trump. Doesn't mean I always agreed with Donald Trump. I don't always agree with anybody. Sometimes I don't even agree with me when I have the benefit of 2020 hindsight. But Trump was the first president to use the S-word, which scared all of these globalists. And what's the S-word? Sovereignty. What do you think of that assessment?
1: I think you're absolutely right. And I'm looking at some of the quotes that some of the people that have been putting this together have been saying. And one of the things that they are talking about is that the sovereignty must be given up and it should be given up across the world. So yes. that the head government will be the United Nations of communists yep. and that they will be the ones corrupt who By the make way, corrupt open.
0: communists. Look corrupt, at, the corruption yeah. <laughs> in, in, at the U.N. That's yes. the real issue here, too.
1: Yes. And they are taking their clues from the way Agenda 21 was created. It was done like this on purpose. Uh, I want to read you one quote from UN Agenda 21, and it says effective execution of Agenda 21 will require a profound reorientation of all human society, unlike anything The world has ever experienced a major shift in the priorities of both governments and individuals and an unprecedented redeployment of human and financial resources. This shift will demand that a concern for the environmental consequences of every human action be integrated into every individual and collective decision making at every possible Level. This is the UN Agenda 21. If you go to the United Nations and you pull up Agenda 21, it's 300 pages, 40 chapters of how the government will control every aspect of humanity. Period, and that is without borders, because they are requiring that people give up their own individual sovereignty and throw it into this world view of a few people like Klaus Schwab and Mr. Her Heroni, H H-A-R-R- dat- evet uh, sure p- A R. A-R-N-I, he has an incredible video on YouTube where he is saying, oh, just give the people computer games and uh, make them happy and let them be visual and give them drugs and then we can do whatever we want and they won't be paying attention anyway. So their concept of bringing drugs over the border. Part and parcel, because this is what they want. They want a drugged up society that will just adhere to any demand they wish and will be willing to give up the simple things that we have in our lives today that are being made easier, like automobiles. How dare we all have cars? That was over the past weekend, uh, Klaus Schwab was saying, "Uh, there's no need for people to have those automobiles that they don't need that. They should be able to use public transportation. After all, they're only used four or 5% of the time. Well, of course they are. Look at the price of gas.
0: Well, you know, what's interesting, Karen, is that in New York, we've had uh, people out there, the, the lunatic fringe, cutting tires, deflating tires, and putting stickers on the cars saying that the cars are evil, they're dangerous, they're bad for the environment, and they're even doing it to electric cars, uh, not just SUVs. So you have lunatic, what's amazing to me is how gullible people can be. How many parents have been giving their children sex altering hormones when their kids haven't even hit puberty yet, because they're told this is in your child's best interest. The inability to ask questions terrifies me. The whole idea behind human processes, thought, education, learning is the process of asking questions. The famous French philosopher Voltaire said, You judge a person's intelligence by the questions they ask. A, a gentleman that I was on the phone with for an extended conversation uh, actually was in the, in the US Navy. He studied uh, nuclear propulsion under uh, Hyman Rickover, the father of the nuclear navy. He's approaching 80 years old now. And and we were talking and I said, do you know what the biggest return that we get from the United States space program is? He said, you could tell me about one return from the space program? I said, yes, the next set of questions. And he actually agreed with me. He started laughing and he says, you know, I never thought of it that way, but that's correct. The learning process is you ask questions And when you get those answers, then you develop the next set of questions. And when you get through those questions, every time we get more information, it gives rise to more questions and we develop better technology to answer the next questions. And so it goes. Hubble as a space telescope made incredible strides to educate all of us, astrophysicists, as well as laymen, about the universe. No one had any idea about the the magnitude of the universe, the magnificence of the universe. It began with Hubble deciding that the the universe is expanding. Then we had the uh, Hubble, uh, now James Webb in in the infrared will answer even more questions and give us better views of the universe. Not disruptive, folks, but eye-opening, okay? And what are we finding? that people are being discouraged from asking questions. They tell you, follow the science. But if you truly follow the science, it means ask questions. But that's not what you're allowed to do. And we've seen this before in history. You know, Albert Einstein, that I wrote about this, the science Nazis had to flee Germany in the early 30s when the Nazis began their march. Um, But I always thought it was simply because he was Jewish. And that's not the case. Because he was Jewish, when he lectured on university campuses, the anti-Semitic Nazis brought in a couple of Nobel laureate physicists who were Nazis who accused him of practicing Jewish science. And what did they attack? Einstein's theories on relativity, which have all been confirmed using modern technology. So think about that. As a consequence of what these physicists were preaching to the kids on the campus, they became violent. They threatened violence. Many of Einstein's colleagues were physically attacked. Being a pacifist, he fled Germany, fearful that they would kill him for being a Jewish scientist practicing Jewish science. Don't ask questions. We're telling you, Einstein's a liar and he's a Jew and his science is bad. Today, is that not the path we're headed down right now?
1: Exactly. And that is that is the perfect example of communism and the way it works. You're not allowed to have any dissent, you're not allowed to have any opposing point of view, you're not allowed to talk derogatory about anything or anyone that goes against the public narrative. And this is what I believe has destroyed our country because, as we all know, as you said, Mike, when I was teaching, the most important thing that I taught my kids was ask questions. You don't understand something? Ask questions. One question leads to another. And also it is important to understand that there are more than one way to get an answer. So just because you have a road that goes and will end up where you need to be doesn't mean that my road can't end up in the same spot. If I'm taking a different road, it doesn't matter. And by putting those together is how you improve, how you learn, how you grow. And by the
0: way, if if you go into a courtroom, you could have scientists on both sides of the lawsuit or, or the prosecution equally credentialed with opposing viewpoints. If you look at string theory and you look at other theories, they don't agree because physicists are trying to understand the universe. So by doing it, they develop models and hypotheses, and then they devise experiments to test their theories. That's why it's the theory of evolution. That's why it's the theory, the Big Bang theory. They do not say it's the Big Bang fact, it's the theory. And then you conduct experiments to prove or disprove the theory. But you know, I just want to read a couple of Orwell quotes because I think it really underscores the, what we're witnessing. The most effective way to destroy people is to deny and obliterate their own understanding of their history. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Is that not what we're wa- witnessing? He also said political language is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable and to give an appearance of solidity to pure wind."
1: Oh, we see that happening
0: all the time. And and the call to violence coming from the left, and then they accuse the right. Now, let me be very clear. Anybody of any political orientation who believes that violence is a legitimate means of achieving a goal is dangerous and wrong, period. I don't care if I even agree with what what it is you want. If you believe that violence is a legitimate instrument to achieve your goals, you're committing a crime if you act on that, and where you're taking us is a very dangerous place. In a democracy, we do things by consensus, by debate, by discussion. I was going to teach debate on the college level. Debate is intellectual capitalism. People bring their arguments to the marketplace of public opinion, and then they try to sell their ideas. And the consumer, the people, get to decide what they want to purchase, what they want to buy, which ideas sound right to them based on the arguments that should be fact-based, not you, not attacks on one another. Just present the fact and then let the American people come to a conclusion about what they like and what they don't like. And when you have censorship, then you're going down a dangerous path. Dershowitz is one of my favorite attorneys. I, I had the privilege of listening to Alan Dershowitz many years ago, My first wife tragically died of cancer in her early 30s. Her parents had been in the Holocaust. Her mother was in a concentration camp. And as a consequence, they got invitations every year to the Holocaust Memorial Services. But I I remember going to listen to Dershowitz, and he was brilliant. And, And Dershowitz made the point about how it's important to have open discussion. Look, even if someone says things that are abhorrent to you, it's important to hear it because they are letting you know who they are.
1: It's okay. also it's also, Mike, when you listen to someone speak, uh, people have a way of filtering to hear what they want to hear. Yes, that's so true. a conversation then becomes, what did you hear? opposed to what did I hear? And by putting those ideas and concepts together, we usually come up with a better product, a better idea. Um, but that's why capitalism that's works, because exactly, it's about competition. Exactly.
0: It's about competition.
1: Exactly what is eliminated by those who communism. are trying to destroy capitalism and institute communism. And there is one of my favorite quotes from... Uh, Maurice Strong, who was the founder of the UN Environmental Program, and he said, isn't it the only hope for the planet that the industrialized civilization will collapse, that capitalism will collapse? Isn't it our responsibility to bring that about? This is the way these people think. And this is what is so important so that we have to get past that and understand what they mean when they say things like that so and not let, accept let, it as a bobblehead.
0: One of the issues that concerns me is violence and crime, and it should concern everybody. New York used to be the safest big city in the United States. Why? Because criminals who were caught with firearms were arrested and went to jail, period. So Except was, if
1: you're a criminal, and then they let you out. No, no, no,
0: no, 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 no. no, That's now. You're missing my point. So that was why we had a low, a relatively low crime rate, because the police were very effective. I worked very closely with anti-crime, which, by the way, was shut down by De Blasio. The anti-crime, you know, these are plainclothes cops would, you know, monitor situations, drug sales, violent crime. They'd pop out of unmarked vehicles and we'd make arrests. Many people that we arrested were illegal aliens. You know, when we hear this nonsense, the immigrants don't commit crime. That's because they're using the term immigrant indiscriminately. People with green cards are less likely to commit crime than American citizens. They know that they can lose that green card. It means so much to them. They're careful. They some people are going to commit crime no matter what. But remember, I was out there making arrests. I spent half my career with the drug task force. I've investigated and arrested terrorists, which is why the 9-11 Commission reached out to me after 9-11. But the point is, aliens with green cards tend to be the most law-abiding segment of our population. The illegal aliens, on the other hand, were the exact opposite. When I was up at DEA Intelligence, I commissioned a study to figure out who we were arresting. It was astonishing that in New York City, and this was in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, 60%, 60%, six zero percent of the people that we were arresting at the DEA task force were foreign born. They didn't account the amount to 60% of the population, yet 60% of the people we were arresting in New York City for drug related crimes, which meant firearms and significant quantity. DEA doesn't arrest somebody with a joint in their back pocket. We were arresting people with tonnage. And who are we arresting? Aliens, people from other countries, And not just from Latin America. Nationally, 30% back then, 30% of the people being arrested by the DEA task force were identified as foreign born. The whole point to our immigration laws is to prevent the entry of aliens who pose a threat, not based on race, religion, or ethnicity. If it did, I couldn't have enforced those laws for 30 seconds, let alone 30 years. My family was decimated in the Holocaust because of the bigotry of the Third Reich and the racism of the Nazis. No, the idea is to keep out the bad guys. And, and if you want to know who they are, go to Title 8, United States Code Section 1182. It enumerates the categories of aliens who are not to be let into the United States. It begins with aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases. Think about where we are now with COVID. Now there's concerns about monkeypox, okay? Aliens who are severely mentally ill, aliens who are criminals, aliens who are terrorists and spies and human rights violators, human traffickers and drug smugglers, aliens who have been previously deported, are fugitives from justice, or if they work, would displace American workers and drive down wages. And when you hear the politicians from both parties saying, oh, we have to modernize the immigration laws, one of the first things they want to eliminate is a provision in Title VIII, United States Code Section 1182, that talks about the idea of not being able to hire aliens for a job when Americans are ready, willing, and able to do the work. This is about shielding American workers from foreign competition. On April 30th, 2009, Alan Greenspan testified to Chuck Schumer. Greenspan, of course, had been the chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank. And he talked about the fact that we need to bring in what Bill Gates wants. And what does Bill Gates want? An unlimited supply of H-1B high-tech workers. It's not just the illegals that are displacing Americans. And he said, for far too long, we have been shielding American workers from their foreign counterparts. And as a consequence, they're getting a wage premium they should not be earning. And he said one of the solutions, or the solution to wage inequality, is if you made American workers compete with foreign workers, we could get rid of their wage premium and therefore greatly reduce inequality in wages between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. And he actually had the chutzpah, as we say in Brooklyn, to refer to high-tech, middle-class Americans as the privileged elite. It is a prescription for the destruction of the middle class. And when you hear people saying, well, we can't deport these people, so we may as well give them lawful status, that is the end of America. We probably have 30 to 40 million illegal aliens in the United States right now. If we legalize them all, that would only be the tip of the iceberg because once legalized, aliens have an immediate and absolute right to bring in each and every one of their minor children. And if we're talking about men who have impregnated different women, Every child that has been born as a result of that man is now legally entitled to enter the United States immediately. And if you don't check DNA, and this administration certainly wouldn't, imagine if we legalized 25 million illegal aliens. By the way, no interviews are possible. No field investigations are possible. And imagine if on average each one petitions to bring in four or five children. We are looking at an immediate influx of well over 100 million immigrant kids. And think of the impact on the environment. You have a severe drought in the West. And I did a little bit of research, Karen. You maybe see yep. 100 gallons of water per day, bring in a million, you're looking at 100 million gallons of water per day being used
1: hold that thought folks because we will be right back you're listening to karen schoen and my guest michael cutler and this is an incredible conversation so do not go away this is the prism of america's education brought to you on the america out loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor the florida citizens alliance we will be right back
0: All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulpit iodine-based nasal spray, Kofix Rx. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. CoFix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the CoFix Rx banner ad on americaoutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. It's summertime. Ready for your vacation to the beach, the lake, or the mountains? But what about your accommodations? Ever wonder what germs were left behind by the previous guests? Kathy G from Tulsa says the Genesis Fogger gives her peace of mind and confidence when traveling. With Genesis, she knows that the air and surfaces in her vacation rental are free of bacteria and viruses left behind by the previous occupants. Visit GenesisFalger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Folger with promo code out loud. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Let the silent voices be heard. It was the rallying call that started it all. It's a wide spectrum of programming, From world and political news to societal and cultural stories, six amazing years of news blogs, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back, everyone. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to The Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. And a plug for the Alliance, folks. They are right on target, going after school districts that are refusing to sunshine their textbook purchases. In Florida, we have a law, and it says that once textbooks are decided, The parents and the community have a right to review the textbooks and give their feedback back to the local school board and the school board should then be investigating what the parents have found. Well, that's not happening. School boards are purchasing books without giving the parents the opportunity to review them, and they are now being brought to court to make sure that that happens. Thank you for the Alliance. Any of you in your state that does not have a law like that, please contact the Alliance at goflca.com and see what the Alliance is up to and adopt those regulations, those new laws that the Alliance is pushing in our state, Florida. You know how well we're doing. There is no reason why you can't copy it and bring it to your state as well. Very, very important. Now, before the break, we were talking to Michael Cutler and he brought up a very interesting point, which is uh, what's going on, of course, in America. Folks, The New Green Deal is nothing more than a carbon copy of Agenda 21, which is then copied to Agenda 2030, which then became sustainable development, which is now the New Green Deal. It's all the same thing. But the importance is that the people don't realize what's behind that. And what is behind it is a group of people who believe that they are richer and smarter, mostly because they stole all of What we had through lack of competition and putting competition out of business, and that's how many of them got their power. But they believe that they are richer and smarter and therefore should dictate what we can do, not what they can do but what we can do. And I found two quotes that I wanted to share, and then I want Michael to comment on this. This is from Paul Ehrlich. He was a professor of population studies and a large contributor to the Agenda 21. And he said, a massive campaign must be launched to de-develop the United States. De-development brings to bring our economic system into line with the realities of ecology and the world resource situation. Well, they're not looking at our resources now as they're bringing millions of people into America. So that was one. And then the other one was by Michael Oppenheimer, who was the head of the Environmental Defense Fund and a huge contributor to Agenda 21. And he said, the only hope for the world is to make sure that there is not another United States. We can't let another country have the same number of cars the same amount of industrialization that we have in the US we have to stop these third world countries right where they are this is a group of people that wants to bring us back in time probably they'd be happy if we were using a horse and buggy but certainly no cars and definitely no air conditioning and all of the things that we consider necessities they are no longer luxuries we've lived with these items for for such a long time, they are part of our life. And it's very rare in the South right now, if you find people who live in oppressive heat to be without air conditioning. Everybody understands it's important for breathing, it's important for your health purposes, and it's important to be able to live comfortably but not with this crowd. Because I'd like you to comment on the end of American sovereignty.
0: Well, the whole point is that America stands between the freedom of the world and the thug countries, Iran, China, Russia, North Korea. Understand that. It's not as though we can weaken America and, and life will go on. If you think that China will abide by all of this lunacy, you're very mistaken. If you think Russia will... No one could have imagined Russia invading Ukraine and killing how many civilians, how many children. They just said, we're going to let the wheat go around the world. We're going to open up the port. They signed an agreement with the government of Ukraine. Everyone got excited. They said, wow, finally, the grain is going to go to the people who were starving. Right after the Russians signed the agreement, they bombed the port. Okay, that's who we're dealing with. Anybody who is that naive to think you could make a deal with the devil is nuts and it's dangerous. You know, it was amazing to me when George W. Bush, who was a complete idiot, I used to compare him to Alfred E. Newman. What me worry? Um, He said that he met with Putin and could look into his eyes and knew he was a man he could trust. Uh, I, I don't want to be graphic, but it sounded like he was having a romantic encounter. Okay, Putin was KGB. Once KGB Always KGB. Remember what happened to that young man in North Korea, that American who was tortured and brought home in a vegetative state and promptly died. This is how they have an abject disregard for human life. Look at the Uyghurs in China who are being imprisoned in concentration camps. The women, according to reports, are being sterilized. China sends their people to the United States to intimidate dissidents living in America to get them to stop speaking the truth about China. We've had Iranians in America uh, set up for assassination by the Iranians inside the United States. And there's been hearings about how Iran has been working extensively with Hezbollah, and you think Hezbollah, you think Latin? You think Middle East, throughout Latin America, flooding America with people and narcotics. You look at the fentanyl crisis, Fentanyl flowing freely into the United States, being sent here by China. This is an act of chemical warfare. Over 100,000 people died of fentanyl overdoses. But that isn't even the number, because how many more people have died because of crimes committed by addicts who killed people, committed violent crimes to get their money so they could buy the drugs they were hooked on? How many people have gotten behind the wheel of motor vehicles and had accidents and killed and maimed individuals because they were unfit to drive. How many people die because of gang violence, gang funds and fuels transnational gangs in the United States, not just from Latin America, Asian organized crime, the Jamaican drug posses, and so forth. And so we are allowing God knows how many hundreds of thousands of innocent people to die, lives to be ruined, families to be shredded, And yet not a single commercial on television warning about the dangers of drugs. Think how effective the smoking commercials were to get people to stop smoking. I'm living in the same house that I lived in when my parents bought this house when I was 11. I'm in my 70s now. I used to sweep the sidewalk every day to get rid of the cigarette butts to save my dad the job when he came home from a hard day at work as a construction worker. I don't see cigarette butts. I I think in the last month I found one cigarette butt on the sidewalk. People don't smoke. The commercials have been effective. Why are there no commercials warning about drugs? I'll tell you why. Because drug money is underwriting Wall Street, real estate, high-end jewelry sales, high-end car sales, and the stock market. Money is flowing through those organizations being laundered, and if they took those trillions of dollars out, they'd go belly up. We are living on an economy that is floating on top of a sea of illegal drugs. And if you think that's bad, realize that in New York, the subways have signs instructing people, you're not going to believe this, on how to safely use crack, heroin, and other illegal, dangerous drugs. Not saying, don't do it. Forget about just saying, no, this is how you should do it so that you can be safe. And if you're just starting out, start slowly. So if you aren't using drugs yet, we'd like you to. But be careful. Start slowly when you first get that crack pipe. I mean, this is lunacy. And if you look at most crime, there is a nexus between crime and drugs. If you look at mass shootings, we keep hearing about gun control. I've never heard about drug control or car control. Why gun control? Think about that. If you, out, if you outlaw firearms, then only outlaws will have firearms. Law-abiding citizens, because they're law-abiding, will say, gee, I don't like it, I think this is wrong, but I'm not going to break the law, so I won't get a gun. Criminals could care less. They only care about consequences, and there are no consequences. So the criminals are far less likely today to find armed opposition when they go out and shoot people. All the talk about mass shootings, we never had mass shootings 25, 30 years ago. This is a new phenomenon. First of all, if you look at some of the violent video games, they are basically simulators for mass casualty events. Go into a room and spray bullets, okay? The movies glamorize extreme violence. Think about product endorsements by celebrities, basketball players, football players. They advertise what shaving cream. I don't know why anyone would take their advice about shaving cream, but we do. Not we, but the public does. You have a product endorsement for guns and violence in the movies. All these anti-gun Hollyweird characters are out there spraying bullets in in great abandon on, on film. Well, if that's the role model... They've taught children very often who are on their own without adult supervision that the solution to someone who angers you is to blow them up, drive your car through their house, and let's have lots of dismembered bodies flying through the air. And finally, I would love to see toxicology reports on people who engage in shooting. When there's a terrible car crash, the first thing you hear about is they did toxicology and the driver was on crack. The driver was drunk. The driver was using heroin. You never hear anything about what was flowing through the veins of the shooters. Use of drugs over time does damage to the brain, okay? So the person may not have drugs in their body today, but prior drug use may have had a profound impact on their mental stability. We keep hearing about mental health and firearms. I agree, you don't want crazy people with guns. How is it that so many people are mentally ill? Could there be an element, a nexus between rampant drug use and mental health issues that result in mass casualty events? These are the issues not being discussed. So we're being told that the guns are bad, but somehow the criminals aren't bad? What am I getting wrong, Karen?
1: Well, we're getting wrong as we have the wrong people in office putting in place uh, no consequences for actions type of policies. And the minute you take away consequences and in place no consequences on an immoral society, we have exactly what we have right now. And
0: by the way, The Hill, uh, I'm sorry, uh, The Atlantic, which is a very left-leaning publication, just had an article about mass shootings and no consequences for criminals. Isn't that remarkable? About the lack of consequences, the lack of prosecution, in part because of the pandemic pandemic. But saying the people commit crime and know that nothing is going to happen to them when they commit those crimes.
1: They also did a survey of people who were incarcerated and they asked them, how did you acquire your gun? And in that survey, they found that 1.4 percent of the people acquired them legally. So all of these laws that they're putting in place, of course, make no sense. The idea is to disarm disarm uh, Americans from being able to protect themselves. Exactly, they are reinforcing, exactly. Oh, yes. You wanted to
0: say something, I don't want to cut you off, but but we really have to get to the border.
1: No, I was just going to say that I believe that it is because of what these children are learning in school and they are learning that there is almost no hope for them to be in any endeavor other than to get their name known by picking up a gun and shooting somebody. That's how they want to make their mark on society because so many other issues are closed. Uh, when you have an education system that just deals with emotion and not fact, this is the result. Uh, but yes, the border is of utmost okay, so importance because it is being used to erase our sovereignty, which is what we were talking well, about. It
0: goes, beyond, it goes beyond that. So, so, so let, let's, let's dig into this. This is what I did for 30 years of my adult life. Uh, first of all, we need to realize that we have we have 50 border states, not just four border states. Aliens and cargo enter the United States along America's borders. Guess how many miles of border, physical border, the United States has, if you include our coastline? We're looking at over 100,000 miles of border. The focus has been on the 200, 2,500 miles of U.S.-Mexican border, which is very significant. And it's significant because that border separates the third world from the first world, Mexico versus the United States. So there's a ton of economic pressure on it. But we also have a 4,000-mile Canadian border. We have 95,000 miles of coastline. So while we're all focusing on how many are coming across from Latin America, and we should, We need to also understand that that's not the only way in. And once in the United States, this administration is determined to not enforce any of the immigration laws. As a consequence, a subcontractor, I believe it was Hyundai, was found to have a, a metal stamping plant. Think how dangerous that work is employing children, I believe, in Alabama. Yes. Kids working in a metal stamping plant in the United States. And you have to wonder, how did this go on? Well, we're not going in and conducting audits of factories the way we should, the way that Trump did, the way that I did as an immigration agent. Again, I did all these jobs before I went over to DEA Intelligence and then the Drug Task Force. So the idea that we have no clue as to who's working in the United States or living in the United States, and today, just before I sat down to do this interview, Fox News reported that DHS has admitted that in the last fiscal year, 2022, over a half million aliens entered the United States through the Mexican border and were identified as so-called gotaways. They know that they entered because of cameras and sensors. We don't know their identities. We don't know where they're going. We don't know why they're here. And when Kamala Harris says, we're gonna go after the root cause of illegal immigration. Well, the biggest root cause is this administration because there's no consequences for running the border. In fact, rewards for running the border. A long time ago, when I used to be a regular on Lou Dobbs tonight when he was over at CNN, Lou, on one of my first appearances, asked me, Mike Cutler, what in the world is going on with all these people flooding into the United States? And I coined an expression that has been frequently plagiarized. I said, well, Lou, nobody would break into the amusement park if they couldn't get to go on the rides. Here we have the American taxpayers paying for these folks to get on the rides. Why in the world are you surprised? He laughed so hard they had to break, go for an unscheduled commercial break. So we have no idea who these folks are, and not all of them are coming because they're seeking to get away from poverty and crime. By the way, that is not a ground for political asylum. That's economic asylum, but there is no such thing. Political asylum is very specific, and what the law requires is that the alien can demonstrate a credible fear of persecution or worse, because of their race, religion, ethnicity, tribal affiliation, political orientation, or sexual orientation. That's it. You can't say, I live in poverty, so I want to come to America. Because if you do that, half the world shows up. I believe that over a billion people don't have electricity. Are we supposed to have a billion people come to America because they lack electricity? That's nuts. And we hear it on the news all the time. Oh, these poor people. Well, I do feel bad for them. There were people that I arrested for being here illegally. I didn't think of them as my enemy, but they were violating the law and we arrested them. I remember arresting a 16-year-old kid working at a green grocer. He was so emaciated, he looked like a survivor of Auschwitz. So I took him to a, a kosher deli in Brooklyn, where else would a Jewish kid go, and bought him an overflowing roast beef sandwich, a potato condition, a can of soda. He inhaled the food. Bad as I might feel for him, I took an oath of office, an oath to protect the country, protect the Constitution, and enforce the laws. But not all are coming because they're poor. Many come because they are fugitives from justice. Many come because they are members of transnational gangs or international terrorist organizations, and we have no idea who's who. And now we've got this administration, and I just wrote an article for Front Page Magazine. I've been proud to work with David Horowitz at the Freedom Center since 2014, writing articles for frontpagemag.com about TSA permitting aliens who are here illegally to get on board airliners on the strength of an administrative warrant of arrest by immigration. There's no biometrics. We don't know who these people are. We don't know their real names. And the empty promise that we're going to cross-check the name with an alien file number means bupkis. Because let me tell you, when I arrested people and I made hundreds, if not thousands of arrests during my career, often someone would say to you, my name is, you know, Joe Smith. And I'd say, okay, Joe, do you have ID? Nope. Well, how do I know you're Joe Smith? And they shrug their shoulders. Or you arrest somebody and you find 10 different sets of ID in their pockets, counterfeit social security cards and whatever. And I'll say, where'd you find this? Oh, I found it in the street. I've never found a social security card in the street. And I've had people tell me that they had eight cards that they all found in the street. Sure thing. So we don't know who they are. The 9 11 Commission, to which I provide testimony, identified people lying on their identities as a key method of embedding for the terrorists. The 19 hijackers on 9 11, in the aggregate, used more than 300 false identities or variations of false identities. So the idea that the guy has a name that relates to an immigration file is meaningless because they put the name there when the guy told them who he said he was, not who he really was, perhaps. So the idea that we're going to put people on airplanes without being able to verify their ID, while we insist that Americans and people legally in the country have to show identity documents that conform to a certain standard is an act of insanity. So I've recommended that they add an extra letter to the TSA. I suggest they now call it the TFSA, the Transportation False Security Administration. And of course, you know that the only thing worse than no security is false security. And that, again, is something being given to us by this corrupt Biden administration. What do you think of that?
1: I think you're absolutely right and as always, and what can we do about it?
0: You have a lot of Republicans out here who are dangerous. I remind you, it was the Republicans who started us down this path. It was Ronald Reagan, believe it or not, who gave us the first amnesty, gave us the visa waiver program, even gave us the visa lottery, the diversity visa that was signed into law by George Herbert Walker Bush. That program was started by President Reagan. Okay, it's both parties, Bush Uh, uh, Jr., George W., as I said, violated the Homeland Security Act. In fact, John Hostetler, who was the Republican chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee, said that the way DHS was put together by the Bush administration, violated the Homeland Security Act, created immigration incoherence, his words, and as a result made it impossible to secure the borders or enforce the immigration laws and protect the American people. Because by that time, everyone knew that 9-11 and other terror attacks were only possible because of multiple failures of an immigration system that Bush sought to weaken further. Think about that. So when you have politicians, uh, there's a woman, uh, Maria, I believe her last name is Espinosa in Florida, a Republican running for the House, saying we need a massive amnesty program. Really? Well, if they're here more than five years, and the problem is we always hear this. It sounds reasonable if they're here more than five years. How do you know how long an illegal alien has been here? If they run the border, there is no record of entry.
1: So, Mike, please tell everyone where they can find you.
0: And and please forward the links to my articles and my podcast. And I do the Michael Cutler Hour, an internet uh, blog talk radio show Friday nights. I want to educate as many people as possible. I need you folks to be part of what I call my bucket brigade of truth. My own website is michaelcutler.net, C-U-T-L-E-R, one word, michaelcutler.net. I write for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com. Also, I do the Michael Cutler Hour on Blog Talk Radio, Friday nights, 7 p.m. East Coast time. And if you go to the website, you could click on my uh, podcast from prior programs, no commercials. Uh, Generally, I don't even interview anyone. People have said to me, we love the interviews, but with everything going on, it's important for you to get the perspectives from your viewpoint with all those years of experience so that we can put into context exactly what's happening. So that's the issue. By the way, uh, final thought, when you hear all this dissension about the border wall, please understand the border wall is not designed to stop anybody from entering the United States. That's one of the big lies. The border wall does not block ports of entry. So it's comparable to the cattle runs that guide people to the next available TSA agent at the airport. We want people to come through ports of entry. And if you want another analogy, if you've ever gone to a baseball game or a football game, you go through a gate. Ports of entry are not unlike that gate. So anybody who's ever voted against the border wall needs to be voted out of office. The border wall is not a wall of hate. It's simply a way of creating an orderly immigration system that protects America and Americans. And anybody who opposes it, we should oppose in the voting booth. How's that for a concept?
1: Absolutely, and folks, nothing is more important than vetting your candidates and asking them point blank, "What will you do about illegal immigration in your state?" And legal, yes, we should be be talking about both.
0: Displace Americans. You talk about the homelessness of kids. Why in the world are we bringing in an army of foreign programmers when you have Americans who are losing their jobs?
1: This is our problem, folks. We've been turning the other cheek for too long. It's time to stop. And it's destroying the future. Of it's, our children. De- it's destroying the future. Yes. Of our children, of our country, of everything. So please make sure you vet your candidates and make sure you Tune in next week and listen to the prism of America's education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. See you all again next week, folks. Have a wonderful week.